I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome back, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, this week, we've got Steve D, Steve W, and myself bringing you all the stock market news and breakdowns and opinions of things that are going on in the stock market. This week, we've got so much going on. Uh, I really do want to just get straight into it. So, guys, how's your week been with the stock market and uh, anything fun going on? Week in stock's been pretty terrible, Paul, to be honest. Most things appear to be down on my screen. Um, never mind, I'll just sort of sit and watch that for a little bit. I did see something interesting this week that's sort of tangentially to do with the stock market and that it has to do with companies that are traded on it. Uh, Discord user Starlight pointed me in the direction and insisted that we talk about this on the show, and I promised we would. Um, have you seen the news about Greggs and Primark uh, having a nice join-up here? They've launched their new range uh, now, so Primark are now offering a... Uh, range of Greg's branded clothing um, and they've set up a 130 seater restaurant in the Primark that I guess it must be somewhere near you Paul it's in Birmingham um, there's a concept right. shop um, yeah I, I thought that looked interesting Steve you once owned Greg's um, were you sort of dying for them to set up a merch range um, yeah absolutely Yeah, I can't wait to get my um, steak baked uh, branded clothes um <laughs> i'm actually yeah, looking bit... through them now i'm looking through them now so they've got they've got trainers um i thought the that gear looked bit. pretty nice if i'll be honest with you the trainers look quite cheap if i'm perfectly honest with you but there's some trackies that look yeah. quite nice and a hoodie that looks all right as well it's kind of strange to me that this is the way they've decided to set it up because obviously you would go through if you want your range of branded gear you just set it up on t-mill like we have with our playing footsie merch which is available link in description but <laughs> personally i'm not really sure quite what i think about having a restaurant in a primark um I, that idea leaves me a little bit cold so there's a couple of things in it uh, first of all the trainers they look a bit like prison trainers if i'm honest <laughs> as i'm looking at them now and um then you've got the, there's a there's a t-shirt that has a picture of a sausage roll on it with the word mm. iconic underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's going on there. The um, is, um, yeah. But I didn't realise, like you just said, that they were putting Greg's stores into Primark. So it's a bit of synergy there that brings people in, and you know you've got you've got footfall there. I guess so. Nothing to do with ABF. Do ABF supply Greg's with any? products uh any basic stuff they don't really do they now i think about it no i think greg's pretty much owns its own supply chain as well so i think it's uh it is a very strange uh Mm. mashup i think 120 seats is a bit ambitious as well i think pretty much all of my local greg's have about four seats and i don't think there's ever anybody in them so um Mm. yeah that's interesting but uh, i didn't realize people were so cultish about greg's um but you know now that i've seen it i definitely want a hoodie so i think there is i think there is a cult cult element to it uh in the like the the toolie in the trade world i think there is a bit i just think it shows anyone will make a merch line these days including (laughs) us how are you steve right 
Uh, well, my week's been like yours, but because I'm tilted more to risk, it's been about four times worse. So basically, my account is like a normal account, just with um, with leverage. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I've had a pretty sort of. I had a really good week. I think I, at the beginning, I posted to Steve. I was like, "Look at this! It's doing great. It's up six percent." And then I looked this morning, and uh, I think my top three stocks on my you know most down list one was down 33 percent so that was quite a sizable fall um and i'm pretty certain i didn't make that up at the beginning of the week so yeah it's been a pretty rocky old week but it's just like one of those things you've got to sit through because eventually the bottom will be found and you know the, the market will swing back into the companies that are growing um growing the fastest and uh and uh, i'm hoping that i'll be holding them yeah, um, it's been hard for everyone this week, I think. Um, most people have been uh, on a bit of a downtrend. I think I'm now about 13% up, something like that, which is uh, the 12-13% mark I always consider on my portfolio is quite low. So I think I've lost about two, two or 3,000 just this week. So it's an, yeah, it's an interesting one that's going on. Uh, I can't quite pinpoint where all the losses are coming from. I think... Just in general, everything is a little bit down. Based, I'm, uh, what do we think? Is it is it Fed or is it interest rates? Is it? I mean, the war hasn't really started. That's kind of fizzled a little bit for now. What What do you think is the main driver of the fear in the market right now? Munger's attributing it to everything, isn't he? He's called it a very unstable and unsafe world, and that's that's kind of what he's been moaning at the moment. He's also been moaning crypto again. Um, but um, <laughs> did you watch it today? Did you I watch the Daily Journal? It's he is the angry man shouting at the cloud at the moment. But he does yeah. in in between those parts of him just being angry about things, there are some nuggets of wisdom mm. in there. And I think they're the bits you yeah. should really take out. Um, but I'd probably let somebody else sort of summarise that into two fifteen second clips for you <laughs> <laughs> i um i was uh lying down watching it and i, I sort of saw him doing it and then I, fa- I must have fallen asleep i woke back up two hours later and he was still talking <laughs> and still moaning and i must have been uh, it must have pushed onto me subconsciously because i woke up angry <laughs> I woke up like <laughs> <laughs> I woke up like shaking my fist at the youths and stuff like that. But yeah, in, in that one today, actually, he did kind of uh, talk. He, there was a lot, of, like you say, a lot of nuggets of wisdom, uh, a lot of um, uh, stocks follow earnings, a lot of business, you know, buy great businesses and you will do well, blah, blah, blah. And he's very happy. He, he talked about excess. He talked about a lot about this term excess. Mm. And I thought that was quite interesting how everything is just overblown. We're in a world of excess right now and something needs to happen to really bring us all back. It was very, very social. Um, it was a lot more social than investment related, I thought, uh, the majority of his talk today. And it, it, should we be getting emotional about the that sort of thing or not? I don't think so, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think, I, to be honest, I don't think he is emotional, I think he is quite generally quite a cranky person, So, <laughs> and I think that would come from having sort of a rigid set of um, sort of investing beliefs and the way, the way he wants to invest, can you imagine having 500 companies dossiers dumped on your desk every day and you could come out of that of having said no to every single one of them that's going to give you a fairly negative view of the world <laughs> isn't it and uh, i think that just sort of bleeds out into everything he does 
I felt sorry for Becky Quick because it did just like look like someone who was trying to talk to their old rampaging granddad because <laughs> it was kind of like she'd ask a question and he'd give like a two two word answer and then it'd be like silence and then okay next question <laughs> like that was how, how it was yeah or he'd ramble over her apart from that bit where he dogmatically insists that bedrooms have to don't have to have windows in them and so on he rails very hard against people who insist that his dorm rooms with um artificial windows are in fact <coughs> not as good as dorms that have real windows i enjoyed that immensely that bit did he comment on that because i i missed that yeah bit. Um, uh, oh I need, I need to go back he and said watch the poor it. architect great, who one. disagreed with him was just an ignoramus and there was no hope for him <laughs> <laughs> what well, that gets me about Munger a little bit. He he genuinely just thinks he's right, and I, I, sometimes I don't think he is right. Sometimes he's just a bit wrong. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, first of all, uh, we have to pay for this podcast every now and then, so I think Steve W is going to give us a, a, a word from our sponsor. I am, but sorry, Paul, because you wanted to move it along. Here comes the ad read. Uh, Genuine Impact is sponsoring our podcast this week. Here's what I wrote. I was watching Charlie Munger fielding questions at the Daily Journal's annual meeting this week. Uh, One of the things he said was, to everyone who finds the current investment climate hard and difficult and somewhat confusing, I would say, welcome to adult life. Fortunately, Genuine Impact is here to help you. There are all different styles of investing. Uh, Mungo was asking, answering a question about whether someone aged 22 should swing for the fences with some EV stuff or play it slower and steadier with dividends. His answer was it depends how much you know about these things. If you have a lot of time and a lot of experience valuing different difficult things, you should use that to make more ambitious investments. If not, you should stick to safer things. Genuine Impact has info and insights to help you get better at assessing hard-to-value things. It's not going to turn you into an expert in cybersecurity and renewable energy and robotics and everything else overnight, but it will help you know a bit more than you did before, and then you can find out a bit more and a bit more and a bit more, expanding what Warren Buffett calls your circle of competence and improving your knowledge base. You can look at general themes or specific companies or even specific features of specific companies on Genuine Impact. You can look at what other investors who know more about these things are doing, and you can look at the things that you already own a bit more closely. All of these are important to making you a better investor and helping you do a better job of working out where to put your money. That's genuine impact for people who want to be like Charlie Munger. <laughs> Can we uh, get Steve W uh, a job as an ad writer? Because I think that's you. I think we've found your new calling, mate. I think we've got some real. You get some zingers out every single week. That's great. I love it. Well, Absolutely I think lovely. Genuine Impact paid for 12 of these, and I've done five of them now. And I'll be honest, I feel like I'm working my thumbs quite hard to get this going here. But <laughs> all, you have to, all you have to do is, once you get to number six, you just go back to number one. Surely that's how Don't it goes. tell them that. Steve's got to edit that bit out now. <laughs> fine. <laughs> that's fine. We're it's 10 minutes fine. in. People are already on to the next video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so we've got a bit of a game this week. I think it's Steve... W again, right in the game this week. Um, oh, come on then, let's see what you got. I'm so up for this. I'm, I need Well, this. if you thought that previous thing was a stretch, here comes something even worse for you. Uh, here is a game called Topiary. Uh, Steve, any idea why it's called Topiary? Because uh, it's about... It's about hedge fancy hedges. <laughs> uh, okay, 
Th- thanks. <laughs> it takes forever to load. <laughs> okay. Um, I've got questions one to ten, and I've been thinking about some hedging strategies. Um, and some other th- because I couldn't think of ten hedging strategies, I thought of some other things too. Uh, but some of these are about hedging strategies. Um, I will. You pick a number. I'll tell you uh, a portfolio way of structuring yourself to hedge against something. You tell me what you think the portfolio I'm describing has returned in the last year. Uh, it will be multiple choice. So, as usual, if you don't know what you're doing, nice. just say A, B, or C. Um, Lovely. Uh, Steve, you look less confident about this, but I was sure you were going to get this game faster than Paul did. So, I've written you down to go first. <laughs> Pick a number for me. <laughs> okay. I will, I will go with lucky number seven. All right. Here's lucky number seven, then. Suppose that you've been listening to Chamath, who said, uh, absolutely, go short the banks. Short them with both hands. Do you need an easier short than this? Um, but you're an intelligent person. Uh, so you thought, I know what I'll do. I'll go short HSBC. Um, or rather, sorry, I'll go long HSBC with a three times leverage thing because I don't trust Chamath. But here's what I'll do. I'll hedge this bet by going 20% of my portfolio into short Barclays uh, using an ETP on Trading212. Uh, so you have 80% is triple leveraged HSBC, 20% is short Barclays. Uh, what do you think that's returned in the last year? Is it A, nothing, uh, B, 30%, or C, 60%? Or sorry, I should say, which of those is closest to what it's re- uh, returned? I've rounded all of these. Hmm, that's an interesting, interesting. question. So, yeah, I, think- I like how you build these. In my head, the banks have done pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I think fairly universally since Chamat um, came up with this idea of his. Um, yeah, well, just so you know, just uh, Paul knows this this joke because he saw me tweet it. But uh, Chamat is currently recruiting people to um, uh, work for his hedge fund. And he's asked them to come up with original ideas of things to go long and go short on. And, and I have tweeted him to say that I have some original ideas of a lot of things that I'd like to shop, but he's probably not going to like the ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely mad. I, I don't suppose you saw on the Discord today um, someone posted the, uh, the, the Hitler video uh, about Cathy Wood and Ark. Yeah. Um, right at the end, it just goes, uh, at least I'm not Chamath. <laughs> like, brilliant. That's so good. <laughs> It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, they like the bit where it says, like, as anybody who has recommended a stock that's not uh, that's down less than 50% stay in the room and the whole room clears. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to say they've done pretty well. So I'm, I'm going to go really bullish on it. I think probably I'm going to go with 60%. You're correct, Steve. Hey. Uh, yeah. On that portfolio, good your work. triple leverage long HSBC uh, would have returned 66% for you. Shortening Barclays would have cost you 3% um, for 20% of your portfolio. So, yeah, uh, it would have returned 63%. Round The nearest one is 60, basically. Cool. Cool. Uh, number one for me, please. Number one. Okay, so suppose like a lot of people you're worried about inflation and you want to try and hedge your portfolio against inflation. People keep talking about gold as inflation. Uh, hedge. So supposing you decide to take your portfolio, which was previously 100% in the S&P 500, and stick 30% of it into gold. So you now have a thing that's 30% gold, 70% S&P 500. What do you think you've returned in the last year using that portfolio? Is it A, 10%, B, 12%, or C, 15%? Oh, they're close numbers. That's harsh. Mm. Um, mm. I'll give you a D then, Paul. D is 37%. (laughs) (laughs) 
God's God's got to be flat, right? God's got to be flat or just slightly negative. So S and P is about oh, in the last year. S and P is about fifteen. So let's go for. Was it? Was there a thirteen in the middle or something? Uh, Twelve is in the middle. Uh, that seems a bit low. 10, 12, 15, 15. are the options. I'll go 15. Uh, so you thought you were looking for 13 and you thought 12 is a bit low, you'll go for 15, which is, of course, further from 13. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where I'm going with it. It's mm. somewhere there, isn't it? Sure. It, it, well, it is somewhere it is. there, but... So close together. Yeah, I, I'm sad for you, Paul, because you are wrong. <laughs> oh. Uh, your portfolio would have returned 12.74%, which is very close to 13, and I'm surprised you didn't say 12 uh, oh, the S&P is up 11% now, having had a bit of a pullback. Gold is up 1.73%, so your inflation hedge has basically slowed you down here. It's also a lousy hedge against inflation, because stocks are a pretty good inflation hedge. When things get inflated, everything goes up, including equities. So you don't really need gold to hedge against inflation. But there we are. Um, so, <laughs> Steve, a number? 10. 10, okay. Hmm. Uh... 10 is where I started running out of things that were strictly hedges, but try this and see how you go. Suppose you're worried about the amount of uh, euro exposure you have in your portfolio, and you think, I know how I can correct this. Um, I'll go 50% long BP, denominated in pounds, and 50% short BP, denominated in euros. Um, So I'm hoping to just make money by the difference between the long and the short uh, pound versus euro in this situation. Um, what would you have managed to do in the last quarter uh, by going long and short BP in different currencies? Would you have managed to lose a percent? Uh, would you have achieved nothing? Or would you have gone up a percent? Well, I have no I idea. I know this one. I think. Um, I will go with... I'm just going to shoot for the middle because I don't really know. Uh, nothing? Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, you'd be down by a percent. Um, <coughs> Uh, yeah, so the issue with currencies is they don't move very much, which is why all these numbers are very close together. Uh, over three months, it, the pound hasn't suddenly doubled against the euro, at least not currencies like that anyway. Um, stuff that's running at whatever the currency of Venezuela levels of inflation is, uh, that does. But yeah, in this situation, you'd be, you'd be down by one. Uh, there is also a slight issue because you would short BP in this case by buying the short BP denominated in euros thing, which compounds daily, um, which means that you're, it doesn't exactly mirror the return. Um, Paul? Yeah, I thought I thought that one, by saying you were going to get desperate, was going to be something like, if you bought into the S&P 500 and then bought into uh, a hedge-growing business or a hedge-trimming business, uh, how much would you be up on? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. That's question three. So- I ran out by that point. But okay. <laughs> uh, number three. Okay, if you bought the S&P and you bought a hedge... No. Um, <laughs> number three is about airlines. <laughs> Uh, suppose we were discussing this last week um, suppose for the moment you really don't like airlines then and you think you would like to short airlines fairly indiscriminately so you take 80% of your portfolio and go short the Jets ETF which basically covers all the US airlines um, however you are aware that a sudden reopening might scupper your plan here and push all the airline prices up so you think well 20% I'll go long southwest because if we get a reopening southwest will do better that will help save my portfolio a bit um, over the last year uh, what do you think you would have achieved by sticking 80% short on jets and 20% long on Southwest Airlines? Would you have made 5%, 10%, or 15%? Hmm. 
I'm going to go with 5% because I thought the airlines did quite well this year. But maybe not. You would be kind of correct. I mean, your answer is correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm starting to worry because I haven't thought of a tiebreaker for this because, frankly, I was struggling at 10. But, uh, yeah, shortening the Jets uh, ETF would have got you 6.5%. Uh, going long southwest would have cost you two of them. Uh, so you get 45 which is closest to 5 uh, in this case. Mm. Steve? Uh, 5. 5. Okay. Five. Imagine you are basically bullish on ARK in general, um, so you decide to buy the ARK Innovation Tracker uh, because you're based in the UK and you can't buy something in your ISA. You are, however, concerned that the market's getting a bit toppy and it might run out of equities and into something else. You think it might run into crypto. Uh, so to hedge yourself against this possibility, you decide to buy Coinbase with 30% of your portfolio and 70% of it goes into an ARK Tracker. Um, how much would you have made in the last month uh, in this situation? Would you have lost 15%? Would you have lost 10%? Or would you have lost 5%? Oh, ouch. Probably um, probably 5% and uh, a shotgun bullet as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm actually thinking it's probably worse because it's been a pretty sort of horrible kind of 30 days, hasn't it? So for everything and I think... But Coinbase had, I think Coinbase had a decent earnings in between. Did. Which is the only thing that's kind of throwing me. So I'm, I'm leaning towards 15 and I'll be annoyed if it is, but I'm going to go 10. It's neither of those. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually five. They're, they would collectively have lost you about the same amount each. Um, they would have lost you sort of roughly just under two and a half and just over two and a half respectively here uh what it's been is an up and down uh month or so really and there have been some quite sharp drops but there have been some reasonable rallies as well coinbase is a lousy way to try and hedge an arc portfolio because in general crypto is a lousy way to try and hedge an arc portfolio because it does seem to be quite correlated to um speculative tech stocks which is the sort of thing so that appears arc, in a arc own coinbase right almost certainly they do uh, but you could yeah. kind of be long part of their portfolio and not another, I guess. I don't know whether they own it in the innovation one or whether they just own it in the fintechy one. Um, haven't looked recently, and they trade around so much they may have that may have changed since I last looked. Anyway, I feel like it's a big part of their entire could be. portfolio. It's like a Tesla type thing. Um, but they they had that um, Super Bowl advert, didn't they? Which apparently went really really well. So that's uh, the website, another thing they. they yeah, so I, I I can't tell you how many, but I remember there being a three and a million in there somewhere uh, of new users that they added in the in the forty five minutes afterwards, which is crazy. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting, interesting from Coinbase. I, can't, I I like it. I just think it, the valuation is just too far. I like it very little, based on my experiences last year. Number Paul. <laughs> Um, number two, please. Okay, number two. Um, suppose you think then that the Fangs are starting to give up their leadership of the uh, S&P and the market in general for the moment. So you decide that you would like to buy on Trading212 the short Facebook, or short Meta as it now is, uh, thing. Single leverage for the moment. But 60% of your portfolio goes into short Meta. However, you think... Um, there's a chance things might rally for the fangs, and if they do rally, they will rally better for Google than any of the others. So 60% of your portfolio goes into short Facebook or Meta. 40% uh, goes into long Google. Um, 
ordinary leverage in both cases here. Uh, what would you have achieved in the last year by doing this? Would you have picked up 15%? Would you have picked up 25%? Or would you have picked up 35%? Ooh. Ooh. And this is as of... Uh, this morning. Yesterday? Oh, this morning. Okay. Because there was a big drop this morning. Mm, uh, this morning before the markets opened in the US. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, still, it's probably pulled... So Google went up about 10% very recently and it's probably pulled half that back so and then meta lost 30 percent was it 30 percent like 25 25 30 percent and that hasn't recovered and your double double leveraged on that uh so. not your your um 60 percent of your portfolio is in short meta 40 percent oh, is short google i think i may have said in the year oh, but let's say year to date short. sorry uh so since january i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for the lowest one I think 15%. 15%. You are incorrect. Yeah. (coughs) You would have done slightly better than that. You would have made it to 25% here. I mean, this is a more sensible way of trying to hedge your portfolio, by the way. If you think big tech is in for it, uh, short what you think the weakest thing is and go long what you think the strongest thing is. That's a fairly uh, sort of sensible way of doing it. And then balance your allocation in a certain way that you think is uh, kind of appropriate. So some of these things I've been writing down as hedges aren't really very good hedges. The the airlines one was a decent (laughs) one. Uh, short the thing and pick a, a winner to try and cover it but um, this is a reasonable uh, idea of a hedge never mind Steve you're picking you pick what you think is the best advertising company there mm, yeah arguably yeah um, I was just thinking out of the fangs you might think Facebook was the weakest and Google the strongest there, certainly there was a time when that was almost certainly true whether or not it's true now yeah. is another question but yeah yeah definitely I'll take four okay uh, for oh, you've selected you've selected the reason I came up with this game. Apart from the fact that um, uh, I really wanted to do the topiary joke. Um, one of the <laughs> things that came to my attention on a different podcast actually was uh, the company that's brought out uh, a fund that is basically devoted to shorting arc. Um, its uh, ticker symbol is SARC, stands for short arc, basically. Um, supposing then you're worried about rising interest rates weighing on the arc uh, holdings. Uh, the guy who runs the fund said, basically, look, there hasn't been a really good way to try and just go short speculative tech, which is what ARK is in a certain fashion. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's no good way to kind of bet against that in the short term. Um, so supposing you think then that rising interest rates are going to pressure ARK's uh, highly valued holdings here, uh, and you decide to stick 80% of your money into short ARK uh, for the moment, uh, but you decide that well, look, to try and cover the possibility of uh, the Fed saying, oh, never mind, everything's cancelled, um, you're going to stick 20% of your holdings into Tesla. So 80% shorting arc, 20% long Tesla. Um, what's that achieved for you year to date? Is it 15%, 20%, or 25%? Oh. Hmm, tough one. That is a tough one, because it could theoretically be any of those in my head at the moment. <laughs> Um, so I think yeah, they're quite close. Yeah, the like the 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 low. I'm going to shoot for the middle. That's what I'm going to do. I shoot for the middle. Is twenty percent was the middle? Twenty percent would have been it's correct uh, if you just decided to short arc. Your hedging here has cost you because Tesla is down uh, year to date. Uh, so it actually drags you back to closer to fifteen. <laughs> Get one right, Paul. Otherwise, we've got an invisible tiebreaker. Oh dear. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, number eight is that one? Pretty good, Paul. Um, okay. 
Let's talk about energy then, Paul, uh, for the moment. Supposing you think that... Let's talk about energy. Supposing you're Charlie Munger and you really like oil uh, for the moment, and you think, I think oil and gas has more of a runway than people are appreciating here. So you go on to trading 212, as you would if you were Charlie Munger, uh, and you see a triple leveraged oil and gas um, ETP. You decide to stick 95% of your portfolio into a triple leveraged oil and gas ETP, um, and what you do on the other side of that is go uh, short the renewable ETF that we always talk about, uh, basically. Um, what would you have achieved in the last month if you'd done that? Would you have gained 10%, uh, 20%, or 30%? It's got to be the big one, right? 30%. You are correct, just. That's uh, yeah. That's, that's my guess. Um <laughs> What a poll. Triple average oil and gas in the last month. I think a lot of the damage has already been done with the uh, gas prices. But um, yeah, it would take you to just over uh, 26% uh, as a total return on that in the last month or so. Um, There's a lot of pressure on on big oil at the moment to reduce prices, isn't mm-hmm. there? Um, I've noticed on the, on the campaign on Facebook things. Um, yeah, I wonder how long they can keep that up. I'll, I'll take nine, Steve. Good decision, Steve. <laughs> um, okay, so you're now interested in the coronavirus, uh, that general situation. You think that, well, because, look, coronavirus is basically over, because we've heard so from the government in this country, um, this is basically game over for Moderna uh, now. So you decide you're going to stick 50% of your portfolio into going triple leverage short Moderna via Granite shares, uh, because they haven't got anything else, and they only manage that COVID thing barely. So bad times for them. Um but in case things look better for the kind of mRNA space in general, uh, you decide to buy ARC-G, uh, the genomic ARC ETF, on the other side of it, with the other half of your portfolio. What's that achieved in the last three months for you? Uh, has it lost you 15%, lost you 20%, or lost you 25%? I'm going to go with the big one there. I think that's <laughs> that's lost me all the beans. <laughs> uh, it has. Which part of it do you think has lost you the beans out of interest? I think... The uh, I think I think the Arc G I think mm. is probably what's gone the most. Though. You are right in thinking the Arc G is the one that's doing the losing for you. Actually, even being triple leveraged on something that hasn't really gone anywhere, um, I'm not sure whether it's just fees that are weighing on this, but that hasn't moved as much as you think it has, which is why the answer is actually minus fourteen point seven one percent is Oof. what that's lost you. But that's mostly Arc. <laughs> uh, that your kind of intention one there was. Um, that's why you hedge, I guess. So you only lose fifteen percent of your portfolio. But if only. <laughs> uh, okay, Paul. Um, fortunately, this is not going to a tiebreaker. Ah, oh, that is very much a question. Have a guess. I have no idea. Have a guess, Paul. Uh, oh, he's got it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and there, ladies and gentlemen, is where we end the podcast. See you later. Goodbye. And that's a, that's a, that's a miracle. <laughs> now we know he definitely does have Derek Akora whispering to him in the background. Yeah. I, I, oh, oh, oh. Sorry for anyone who's, who's listening there. If you see, if you if you're watching, you'll see that I'm in a, a very scary. Uh, <laughs> I just need a green thing, don't I? And just go. Oh. I look, look like I come in the Blair Witch Project or something mm. like that, and uh, it's chasing me. I don't know what's out there. Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, okay, so you, Paul, think the world is ending. 
Um, uh, inspired by our Doomsday podcast of a few weeks ago when we talked about things we would buy with the market going down, none of us said this. Uh, you decide to whack 75% of your portfolio. In. Uh, on the other side of that, you decide, well, um, I need some sort of long exposure. I'm taking Berkshire Hathaway B shares. Um, what's this return for you in the last month? Short the S&P with 75% of your portfolio and long Berkshire Hathaway with the remaining 25%. Has it lost you 5%? Has it done nothing? Or has it gained you 5%? See, I thought you were going to do about it. an ARC versus Berkshire one. <laughs> I really did think you were going to do one. Yeah, and that would have, that would have been interesting to see what, what that was going to be. I think this is flat. I I don't know why I think mm -hmm. this is That's, flat. This question is yeah, that would have been a better way of presenting this, wouldn't it? Not if I had more time and not had to think of nine other ones, yeah, something work like out that. what they would be, I'd probably have thought of I that think idea. This is flat. Um, uh, you'd actually be up at this point. Uh, your inverse S and P um, <laughs> would have got you three and a bit percent. Um, <laughs> would have got you just under one, so you'd be at just under four percent. That's nearer to five than flat. Uh, I've already put a tick next to that point. You're not having that. But still, score is 2-1. That was Topiary. It took me much too long to make. Uh, thanks for playing, everybody. <laughs> no, you, you've, you've put a very good amount of... Yeah, you've put a lot of detail into into that one. You've, you've done a lot of maths. But very, congratulations on doing a whole hedging competition without mentioning the word cash as well. I... I I didn't think you'd you'd have done that, or you'd you'd have done an inflation one or something. See, see, I'm just trying to improve your game <laughs> see, now. In all I? of those strategies, we would have made more money if we just bought a used car last year. <laughs> mad, mm. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely mad. Should have just set up a a used used car sales place, and uh, I bought a used car. Yeah. That's how bad it is. Ugh. Get it sold. It's up forty five percent or something, isn't it? Uh, believe it or not. Believe it or not, uh, we have a new-ish car. Well, it, it was bought from new, and we we're having f we've had four companies call us now to try and get us to uh, sell it on, which is very interesting. Uh, how the market is right now, all with the same thing. Great time to buy. You know, like them gold adverts where it's saying, "Oh, gold is uh, the most expensive oh. it's been in twenty years." They're doing exactly the same thing with used cars. Someone's making a ton of money right now. Right, let's move on um, to the next big thing. We have uh, a lot of earnings. Uh, it's still earnings season in case nobody noticed. And lots of companies are feeling either the pain or the adulation from the market due, due to their earnings. So I think we're going to run down a few quick ones of our favorites. Uh, and Steve has the list. Uh, I have um, Airbnb on the top of my list, so I think we could quickly just sort of scoot over that one before we um, we knock on to others. So Airbnb, we've got a little bit of detail on as well. Um, I think they're quite fast becoming a sort of bellwether for the sort of travel industry. They seem to report a little bit earlier than everybody else, and um, they seem to have taken a few things uh, a few things with it. But I'll, I'll I'll just quickly run down the actual results themselves. So. Uh, revenue they were expected 1.46 billion on the uh, on the quarter and they did 1.535 billion so a fairly handsome beat uh, EPS they were expected to do um, 0.05 and they did 0.08 so a little bit of that is going on to the uh, onto the bottom line 
Um, so it was a really interesting sort of set of earnings. They broke it all down for us a little bit later and said that uh, nights and experiences was up um, 59% year on year. Uh, three hundred because it was obviously their full year as well. Um, so three hundred point six million, which was up fifty six percent year on year. Um, gross booking values were up ninety one percent year on year. Um, forty six point nine billion, ninety six percent year on year on the full year. Um, revenue was up to one point five billion on the quarter, uh, which was seventy eight percent year on year. Uh, six billion on the full year, which was seventy seven percent year on year. Uh, net income, 55 million they made in the quarter, but they actually still lost 352 million over the year. Um, and then they gave some yeah, EBITDA figures of 333 million that they made in the quarter. They reckon that's 1.6 billion uh, on the full year. So pretty interesting. They just give some, Chesky gave some pretty interesting things in his talk. Uh, he just said that nearly half of the nights booked in Q4 were for stays of a week or longer. And he thinks this is kind of a new sort of work from anywhere trend. He's really sort of uh, interested in this. He think he said that 175,000 guests have stayed for three months or longer, uh, which to me just sounds sounds really really expensive. Um, but they also talked about uh, something they've introduced because they want to get more hosts on the platform. So that it's not just that they're trying to get more users to actually just book stays. They're trying to get more hosts to offer places. And they've offered um, air cover for free. And it's an insurance policy which gives a million dollars of damage protection and liability insurance to all hosts who, who host on the platform. And you get that for free. So I thought that was a really cool uh, little thing. Uh, I think that's probably, if I was thinking about renting out a room here, that's probably the big thing I would think hmm. about is are they going to like throw shit all over the walls and stuff and are they going to smash the place up? Well, if they do, Airbnb pays to have it fixed. So uh, I might rent out my garage because that's on about the way to falling over. So um, <laughs> maybe I'll get it fixed. <laughs> Look what they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, what I love anecdotally about Airbnb right now is that uh, of how much it's reaching different generations mm. now. Uh, this is all anecdotally, but uh, it it was a case. That, so I was looking for a room recently, and uh, it wasn't us that suggested uh, Airbnb, but actually my parents suggested it and said, "Oh, why don't you try Airbnb?" And I was like, "Oh, interesting." Um, I mean, I was going there. It was just interesting that different generations are now starting to, to perk up about Airbnb and more importantly, starting to trust it. So that was something that really stood out for me. Why aren't they profitable? This seems like a thing hmm. that should be profitable. Yep. They are now. profitable uh, on this quarter. Um, and they, they, the pandemic has brought forward their profitability quite quickly. I think during the pandemic, they sort of quickly realized that the way they were burning cash was uh, was not suitable at the kind of scale that they'd got to. Um, at one point, Airbnb, I think if you look in their S1 when they filed, they actually had negative revenue, not negative profits, negative revenue, which is quite unheard of. Mm. Um, basically because yeah. they were having to refund so much money, um, they ended up with making mm -hmm. less money than they made, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so they, hmm. I think... That pandemic was kind of the making of Airbnb. I know they pivoted to trying to reduce losses, and obviously that has uh, 
you know, and, and bear in mind, there is a healthy amount of cash during their IPO. I think there is a couple of billion, maybe even three or four billion dollars. So they've got money to burn yet. They don't have to pivot to profitability, but they're at the sort of scale where it's happening uh, as a happy accident. And I think that will continue for quite a while yet. Um, Chesky's still talking about giving uh, giving lots of um, lots of areas of the business lots of money to continue growing. But I just think Airbnb has the sort of margins and um, and the scale now that that profitability is just something that's going to happen. Thoughts? Yeah, it's um, what is the main? Uh, what is the main capex here? Because it just seems like it could be done by someone in a room setting up a server, and that's about it, really. Is is there anything big that's sticking out as as a big capex for them? Uh, and is this a is Airbnb another lobster pot business? Is it going to you know like we we touched on this last last week, didn't we? The lobster pot business of getting customers stuff, in yeah. and then slowly increasing the prices. It feels like Airbnb's mm-hmm. got to so yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going with lobster pot because the idea is that you don't notice it. Um, potentially, yes. I think the thing at the moment is, I don't know whether you realise, there's quite a sort of a common meme about Airbnb <laughs> where they call them air fee and fee. And I think people are realising mm-hmm. that because of all the cleaning fees and what have you that have all begun to be sort of slapped on the top of a booking that you end up looking at a headline price and end up paying quite a little, you know, quite a bit more than, than what that is. But at the moment, the only yeah. real competition they've got is Verbo. Um, Verbo, which I think we said was a booking.com business, and I'm fairly certain now it's an Expedia business. And so, yeah, we messed that game up completely. Um, But Hmm. I just don't see Verbo as real competition just yet. I think Airbnb has got the verbiage at the moment, and providing that they can keep that and continue to push that through their sales and marketing, research and development channels. and they keep improving the experience for both sides as well. And obviously, they're now factoring the experience side of it as well, which is seeing you know bookings and experiences come together. There's definitely room for growth here. It's it's theirs to lose. Yeah, I had to think about this space actually myself, and um, I I agree. I think the verbiage is strong here, and I think that there isn't going to be another one that comes in close sec, uh, like in close second. I think competition out here is is going to be uh solely on airbnb but what i think is that other companies are going to start developing their own versions but with a usp so yeah, it's similar to how youtube's working you got vimeo in a very distant second doing pretty much the same thing you're going to have something like that you're going to have a company you're going to have an airbnb that's doing doing it in the same thing same way but then you're going to have luxury airbnb that's going to become suck called something else that only has luxury homes in it or only has you can have one which only has hot tubs in it and you're going to have then you're going to have a cheap airbnb as well on it in dirt price <laughs> horrible ryan airbnb style you're <laughs> gonna it, I, th- I think that's the way this i that's the way i see this happening and i think maybe the cheap one and the luxury one are going to do very well here but and with but with airbnb as, as the one as the overall one which is going to be a large leader out in front that's what i was thinking about this space uh, because the the uh, the game soon is going to be about finding the next airbnb and finding finding out which one is going to 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 do that and i think there's going to be some private companies out there with usp style 
uh, Airbnbs come in next. I think that's some good thoughts, especially on the kind of luxury side for where that's looking. I definitely think there might turn out to be a market for a kind of higher end Airbnb or something like that. I mean, there's stuff that kind of does luxury hotels and so on. I can see why you might get a similar sort of thing. I was quite encouraged by some of the stuff Steve was saying there about um, Airbnb. I think now's a good time for them to be turning profitable. I know they're losing on the year, but ahead on the quarter. The Fed hasn't yet started its um, tapering and its interest rate hiking. Now is a good time to start standing on your own feet uh, financially if you can. I'm not sure whether they're quite in that position yet, but they're closer to it than than just losing money all the time. Uh, Airbnb, I think of as kind of, if they have a moat, it's a kind of classic network effect, right? It's just there's more people on there, so you get more people on there, basically. It's where the hosts are, so it's where the guests go. Is that what they call them? Something like that. Um, So now's been a decent time to stop trying to build that out by hooking people in although i kind of like the insurance cover incentive and start pivoting towards okay making sure we can run this business by ourselves rather than indefinitely being loss making it just showed that the self-driving tesla idea might work you know if people are willing to rent out their own homes to people um they might be Yeah, they might be willing to... Especially if Tesla's um, willing to offer like some insurance for you doing unspeakable things in the back of them or something like that. <laughs> I reckon I'd probably want about a million pounds worth of cover before I let you loose in the back of my Tesla. <laughs> if your Tesla becomes covered in spooge, we will cover the cleaning fee. Tesla branded wet wipes. I think that might break Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to Roblox? Love it. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, Roblox is... I only heard about this today, so you're going to have to break this one down for me. Yeah, basically I've lost it last our um, sampler game because Roblox has now turned into Zillow and Peloton oh, together. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was pretty... It was, it was a, it, it's been sort of published as a disastrous earnings for Roblox, but, but it really doesn't seem to be um, really much there. There was a small miss on bookings and there was a... Uh, a larger miss on loss per share, but realistically, um, Robux is still absolutely swimming in cash. So whether you really care about a, 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 you know a loss at the moment is 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 tricky for me. So Roblox um, report revenue and they report bookings. So bookings essentially is revenue that hasn't been realised yet, and you think of this as something like their virtual currency. So in terms of accounting purposes, if you buy uh, some of their virtual currency, even though they receive the pounds straight away, until that virtual currency is spent, they're not allowed to realise it as revenue. So they realise it as what's called a booking. So um, so if you're ever looking across Roblox and you see that very odd metric, um, that's what that means. Um, but in terms of actual business performance... Uh, daily active users are up 32% year on year. Remembering we're coming from a pandemic period where you know growth in that has been absolutely um, absolutely pulled forward. Hours engaged, 4.2 billion, up 26% year on year. Um, they estimate revenue is going to be sort of 203 to 206 million, which is another 64 to 66% growth year on year. Um, daily active users for Q4 were 49 and a half um, million. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of people still playing Roblox. Um, free cash flow, 77.3 million, Paul. Um, it's quite interesting oh, a little bit at the bottom hello. there. Um, so they said the bookings mm. have increased um, over Q4 2020, so that's up to 770 million. Um, it just looked a pretty decent little report from me. I, I couldn't see anything in there that was uh, was particularly uh, 
was particularly um, jumping out on me as horrible. They also gave me a new uh, a new um, term I've never heard of, which is uh, APB DAO. Anybody want to know what that one is? What was that last a- bit you said? A-B-P-D-A-U. Oh. Uh, no. Something average, something per daily active yeah. user. Average, average, daily active average user. bookings per daily active user. So this ah. is Robox's way of trying to give you a sort of ARPU of what the customers are spending on mm. the virtual currency. And that was unbelievably $15.57. So um, that's quite a lot. Uh, and on the year, I don't like that. On the year, it's fifty nine dollars eighty five. So those kids are nicking daddy's credit card at a ridiculous <laughs> rate. But um, yeah, they're looking yeah, to. Yeah, uh, I don't like that. They, they reckon they're going to produce about five hundred fifty eight million in cash in the full year twenty twenty one in free cash flow. So um, Robux looks like an interesting business. It's just all about whether you believe it's a trend that's dying or a trend that's only just beginning. Um, and mm. I don't know where to sit on that fence. How about you guys? Right. Um, thoughts on Roblox as a parent. Um, so I, I think the the price has dropped, uh, not necessarily because the because because of the earnings. Although I think the growth did slow a little bit, and that might be one of the headlines. But there's actually um, uh, for a company that's really really heavily into security there's been a bad news report in the past few days that there are, are people online at the moment like touting for sex or something yeah this was there. a short report so, wasn't i don't it? know the, the short report it was yeah it was oh, one of the most poorly written short reports i've ever seen in my life it was like <laughs> there are nefarious people where children are hanging around and you're like yeah that right. that's going to be that's going to be the thing no matter where if you put all the children in the playground i guarantee you there'll be nefarious people around um it was all very anecdotal <laughs> it's Teachers. pretty yeah yeah mostly and um, um, yeah, it was a very, very poor short report. It was very, very sort of, you know, clutching at straws. Right. I, I, I was not impressed with that. I've, I've, you know, there's some way you get the short report and you have a look through it. And you think, Do you know what? There's some value in this and there's some things that we really need to check out. You got to the back of that and you were just like, there was just no evidence. The guy had spent no time in the game trying to find these people. He's just like, my mate Sheila said there's paedophiles in Roblox. And that was the whole basis <laughs> of the short report. <laughs> But that's fear for exactly, you. Exactly, yeah. That's massive fear for you and how how important it is. Do you remember a thing called... Oh, ah, that's going to be annoying. It was like Little Emmy or something on um, YouTube Kids. So there was a famous... Um, it went on round on Facebook. It was probably three years ago. So there was, there was supposedly a girl who was popping up during Facebook children's videos and it was a very scary face uh quite um tim burton looking kind of face and it was telling the kids to go pick up knives and put them into their parents and things like that it turns out absolutely false but it consumed facebook for well over a week um i forgot what it was called but it was a freaky little so uh, you know uh, it just shows that fear trumps everything fear trumps truth and it's just incredible how much this can go around i'm not saying this is going to this is what's done to the share price but now you've said talked about the short report so i don't know if that's really that true because i think that short report might have actually come out a week ago or so thinking about it but i do wonder how that affects people with their kids on um 
on uh, Roblox. And I, I'm, I'm informed Roblox is quite an educational tool more than anything. Uh, and then you have kids spending $15 on God knows what on this on this game. Uh, <laughs> another anecdote. Kid came over to me today. I was just sitting at uh, watching a, watching a football game with some lads, and a kid came over and said, "Can you give me a quid?" And I was like, uh, uh, "No, I don't carry cash." He goes, "Oh, could you bank transfer some some for some V bucks?" And I went, "What?" <laughs> I was, I was like, "What?" what are you talking about? And I, I, and I couldn't believe that this kid just came up to me basically in a park and said, can you give me some money for some V books? And then when I said no to cash, he went, uh, bank transferring me then. Well, that was Zettel. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I really, I, I was, I was, I was just amazed uh, at how desperate these kids are to get V books. And obviously the Robux stuff is going to be the same. So as someone that's looking for future revenue streams, Paul, and has a kid on the way, roughly how old do they have to be before you can send them out to make money like this? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. You, uh, the, trouble is, the trouble is they're going to end up in some dodgy places with some dodgy people getting some money. They're just going to... No, let's not do that one. Let's not do that joke. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um but yeah uh interesting roblox uh i want to i want to know more i think it's i think if it's if it's really profitable it's down to its valuation where you think it's going to go and uh i keep bringing up scott galloway but scott galloway thinks of roblox as the next metaverse or the start of the metaverse this is one of many metaverses and uh, believe it or not, he he is saying that uh, Roblox is the first metaverse that is actually in play, and um, I'm I'm kind of there with did him. Did you see just before we move on to Steve's uh, Steve's got some uh, Nvidia for us that Zuckerberg has refer uh, told his in, uh, employees that they're not to refer to each other as colleagues or employees, they're to refer to each other as meta mates, and I'll just leave that out there. There's no like, need to comment on that, me. Steve. Nvidia. All right. Uh, yeah, NVIDIA has um, reported as well. Their uh, revenue for the quarter was $7.64 billion versus expected 7.42, so small beat. That's up about 53% from this quarter a year ago, from what I can see of it. So it's pretty big revenue growth. Uh, EPS, when I managed to track it down eventually, was $1.32 versus $1.22 expected, so small beat. Uh, they're projecting quite healthily as well, which is an important thing at the moment, or seems to be in the earnings reports that we're looking at. They're looking at eight and a bit billion next quarter, with about a 65 to 67 percent gross margin, which is sort of fairly big. Um, I think the stock was down shortly after this report, though. Uh, so other people were sort of either less impressed or thought this had perhaps run a bit into it. Of course, Nvidia we most recently talked about because its arm deal is now, I think, pretty conclusively off. It is. Hmm. Yeah. It's um. It's a big uh. Big dis. Uh, sorry. It's a big a. Uh. Le lesson to learn here. Binary events. We we were talking bi about binary events quite a few podcasts ago, and how you should never bet on something possibly happening, uh, because it might just come up in your face. But uh, Nvidia is not doing that badly, though, is it? I think it's down I'm about six or seven percent today, Paul. So yeah, it's fell quite a bit today. Yeah, so okay. it's. Uh, I think they they did give out some fairly weak guidance. Um, 
See, I originally had a price in my head of um, of about two ten for Nvidia, and it's always mm-hmm. seemed really, really far away. So I put a second price alert up as two forty for me to sort of like pay attention to it as it comes mm-hmm. down, and it's right on the cusp of that now. But um, I don't have a penny to put in Nvidia, and I don't have anything I want to sell. So uh, this one may mm-hmm. pass me by for about the third time um, this last couple of years. Yeah, that's the problem. It's never going to feel like that glaring opportunity, is it? Or it doesn't feel like it's going to ever be that glaring opportunity. No, although since we've been making something of a theme about this, perhaps more by accident than design, one of the things that Charlie Munger said um, yesterday, someone asked him, and he doesn't normally go get drawn on these kind of things, but someone asked him, what do you think about Costco's valuation? And he said if he was managing money for a pension fund or something with a 30, 40, 50 year time horizon, he would buy it here, um, which is... You know, we all think Costco's you know quite richly valued at the moment, and and he does agree with that. But he thinks, look, the business is just worth it. So, you know, I I buy it at that. He thinks if I had a sort of thirty year time horizon, much happier to have bought it earlier and cheaper, of course. But um, mm. I wonder whether that might be he true. He sold video it, didn't here. he? Uh, didn't he sold it, didn't he? Think he had. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I feel like he sold that six months ago, but uh, I'll have to check up on that one. Yeah, sorry if that's uh, inaccurate. Um, so but, um, I, I've yeah. got a laser-fast rundown of a few quite uh, high-growth stocks that I'll, right. I'll, I'll quickly go through that. So we did some small stocks last we week. To, we need to do a... We need to do like a... So... Quick fire, a quick round. fire round. Upstart, uh, they had a blowout Q4. Um, revenue came in at $305 million. Paul, do you know how much that was up year on year? Can we uh, tell them what Upstart is um, first? Oh, uh, sorry, I can't hear you. Um, oh, um, I'm losing you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're a loan matching company. Um, it's a stock. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're a loan matching company. So they're, they're uh, like right. a, a credit um, offering service, I guess. Um, but yeah, do you want to have a guess? Right. Up no idea. Absolutely no 252%. idea. 252%. Um, adjusted wow. net income of 87 million and a 30% adjusted EBITDA margin, which was up from 18% the year before. So very good quarter. Uh, Upstart was up 42% um, after these earnings. It did come back down today about 8% though. So we're recording on Thursday. Uh, moving swiftly on to Toast. Uh, Toast is a sort of full service um software offering and payment solution for restaurants uh, they focus more on sort of mom and pop stuff um and tie into all sorts of things you can handle hr payroll blah 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 uh, their revenue 512 million which was up 111 percent year on year bear in mind that this quarter uh, quite a few restaurants were closed so it's not a, a massive uh Massive shock. Um, it was a 5% beat over expectations. They lost 23 cents. They lost 34 million free cash flow and had a minus 7% free cash flow margin. Um, they gave some pretty decent Q1 guidance. They reckon they're going to grow about 37%, which was 4% over market expectations. And they gave a full year guidance for the revenue to jump to 2.38 billion. Uh, that's about 39% year on year. It means they're trading at about four times sales. So not a particularly expensive company growing at, you know, pretty much on the rule of 40. Um, 
And mm. the last one I sort of stumbled across for in the quick fire stuff was Zoom Info. Uh, Zoom Info is like LinkedIn on steroids. It's about finding the right person to contact so you don't blanket message the wrong person at a business. Um, they did $222 million in revenue, which was up 60% year on year. It was a 12% Q on Q beat. Um, free cash flow margin of 38%. Um, so a pretty decent looking company making a decent amount of cash they give some pretty interesting stats like they've now got four, over 1400 uh, customers spending over 100k that's a 71% year on year increase they gave decent guidance um, for the quarter 48% beat and a full year guide of 1.02 billion which is a 39% beat um, so yeah pretty interesting i thought they looked like a pretty decent little company mm. as well they're trading uh, i think five times sales at the moment or maybe six times sales so um not massively overvalued but you know they're on the they're on the uh, the edge of it steve are you next yep can go through a couple we've got a few minutes left so let's just whiz through some more quick earnings to finish us off then uh, Walmarts, uh, they haven't been growing at anything like the rate of the stuff that you were talking about, Steve, because if they did, they would be, I think, probably the biggest company in the world. But their revenue came in uh, this quarter at $152.87 billion, uh, expected 151.53. Yeah, so it's up a little bit from the previous year, uh, 152. EPS was $1.53 versus $1.50. That was up quite a bit from $0.74 cents in the previous, from the quarter a year ago. Same store sales, which is something we like to look at on these kind of retail um, outfits, up about 5.6%, which is not bad growth at something of that size. Uh, they also announced a big buyback for about $10 billion, and they're guiding for about 4% more revenue growth. They've been leaning into what they would call the Costco model, I guess, of saying we're going to try and make sure we don't push our uh, inflation-related costs through to customers. We're going to try and hang on to the customer base that we have, keep our prices down and look after them um, a bit. Everywhere I read about this, people seem very keen to tell me that Walmart stock has underperformed the S&P for the last year or so. Um, I'm not sure what to make of that thought, but it did encourage me to have a little look at it, because if it's, it, there's a business that seems to be moving in the right direction, doing the right things, and if there's been underperformance there, I haven't ever tried to value Walmart. I've always assumed it was kind of expensive, but it might be worth a closer look, I think, for another day for me. Uh, the other ones I've got are... Palantir. Um, Steve, what does this company do? Yeah, let's do Palantir. Palantir, uh, they do something <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> mm, yeah, me either. Uh, Paul? They're a, consulting, they're a consulting agency. That's what they are. They're a consulting agency going under the guise that they're a technology company. Oh. I think, uh, yes, I think it's dangerous. Okay, so I had something consulting, something technology, something data, something government written down for what they do. Um, Catch terrorism. Uh, but <laughs> something like that, yeah. Their uh, revenue's up uh, to 432.9 million over the last, uh, in the last quarter. That's 322 was their number for the previous year's quarter. They were, that's a comfortable beat from what they were looking at at 418 million. EPS was two cents per share, uh, expected four cents per share. The quarter last year was Steve, do you know? No. Three cents per share. So it was supposed to go up and it went down. Um, they are guiding for a 23% operating margin for Q1 and a 27% operating margin for the full year. That seems sort of reasonably encouraging. That stock was down already going into its earnings. And we all got a push notification today saying it's down another 19%. So 
anyone who did evaluation on Palantir before, this is not me, uh, but anyone who did evaluation before, bought it, owned it, and thought, I quite like it at these prices, you are in luck because you're about to get it a lot cheaper. Um, anyone who didn't do evaluation on it, I would start worrying a little bit that I might have overpaid for it in the first place and I might now be stuck in it a little bit. But um, if you liked it before, you'd probably like it here. Is that a backhand bitch slap comment uh, that you're saying now? Is, is this going to be the new, uh, new backhand comment of uh, in the investing world of if you liked it at this, if you valued it at this thing, then you should be gl- you should be glad that it's now going down. I, I, there's a lot of people on Twitter and stuff saying the same thing. Like, oh, I'm so happy it's gone down. Yeah, of course you are, mate. Not really, but I have been noticing in my own stuff, and I'll take two examples from my portfolio uh, in that case. Something that I didn't value properly was Stoneco. Um, I didn't do a proper free cash analysis on that particularly, and it's down about 30%, and I don't feel particularly great about that because I bought it before basically because it was down. Um, and wondering, sure, that ain't going much lower. And the answer is, yes, it was going much lower. Uh, it's going another 30% lower. And I don't feel great about that. I've got some other stuff that's in the red. Uh, Amazon I've got in the red. Aspen Tech I've got in the red. I don't feel as bad about those. And uh, they're less in the red than Stoneco. Mm. But I'm much more confident about owning those at the prices I bought them at because I did proper valuations mm. on them. That's how I think about investing. That's what kind of makes me sleep easier. Uh, different people might feel different ways. Yeah. Everyone evaluates stocks in whatever their temperament allows and their insights allow and so on and so forth. But in my case, if I bought Palantir because I thought, oh, this is down a bit, I wouldn't be feeling good here. If I bought Palantir because I thought, here's what yeah. I think it's going to produce, here's why it's worth it, I'd be feeling all right, I think. I think everyone's still looking at it right now and going because because there is a future for this business. It's just mm, it's you know it's, it's supposed to be profitable pretty soon. Uh, the growth rate is interesting. It's trading at around eighty odd trailing PE right now. Maybe even work, maybe even better now. It's probably more like a fifty PE now. Um, so you, you're starting to get into stupid stupid valuations rather than ridiculous valuations um but there is growth there is growth coming to it if i just could understand what this business does uh congratulations to anybody who does actually know what they do um but it and and someone's i and i don't like that they're buying spacs to make their money as well and grow grow their customer list there's a, there's a lot of issues with palantir but when it as it starts to get to eight dollars, I think it. Uh, someone was saying on Discord today, it's about eight dollars. That was me. Was it you? <laughs> um, someone. Uh, yeah, as it gets to eight, it, well, it it starts to it starts. I made it up. Uh, and you and you were correct, were you? I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know what it is right now. I'd, I'd be intrigued. I think it's about 11, yeah. 11 at the moment. But once it gets into single digits, the people who buy Palantir are going to be more inclined to buy it at that at that price because that's what they do they buy it they buy it those single digit prices uh, because it looks cheap and because like you say it's just gone down i think i think there's a lot to it and um, there there is something there for palantir but i would want it right on its on 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 a good cash flow analysis here um, rather than actually just trying to believe what they tell me and what all the youtubers believe that they tell me as well um yeah. Uh, right. Uh, anything shall else? I, to shall I quickly do the trade desk and fiver? I've got two very quick yeah, rundowns of them. Go for it. Trade desk is a good one, right? 
So, yeah, Trade Desk, they are the inventors of the unified ID, which if you thought about all your advertisers are absolutely cacking themselves because Apple have introduced the, the new sort of privacy, um, the privacy sort of rules, and Google has sort of laughed at them and said, we're going to make it even worse for people. Um, Trade Desk have come up with something called Unified ID, uh, which uh, replaces the old sort of cookie system. Um, so they're a very important cog in marketing. Their, their job generally is to link up the some the buyer of the advertising with the seller of advertising space. Um, but Trade Desk beat on every single metric that you could check them on. Uh, they beat on revenue. They beat on revenue change. This is obviously estimates versus actual. They beat on adjusted EBITDA, EBITDA margin, EBITDA change year on year, um, adjusted EPS. They beat on next quarter revenue guidance, next quarter revenue change, uh, next quarter adjusted EBITDA guidance, and next quarter adjusted EBITDA margin. Good. Um, thank you to CMLVIS for giving me the rundown on that because I only had time to skim it. Um, but yeah, they beat on absolutely everything. Trade Desk is a fantastic little company. It's one of the Motley Fool recommendations. I think from $3 and today it's $80. Mm, so that would have been a, well a big win and the other one was fiverr uh, which would not be a big win i think they uh motley fool re-recommended this at about 200 and i think it's about 80 um, but they did revenue of 79.8 million versus 76.81 was a market expectation which was plus 43 percent year on year eps of 22 cents versus four expected so a big beat there and q1 revenue guidance was for 85 to 87 um million they was expected to um, estimate 85 and full year revenue guidance they expect 373 to 379 million and uh, the market was expecting 371 so they have beat across the board as well and they're up 10 percent today and they're a fantastic little company and i i don't think they're a million miles away from being decent uh decent um sort of speculative purchase you know small part of your portfolio at the moment yeah um very popular on the uh on youtube i think uh with a few with a few youtubers aren't they and and they are great business uh, and they and most importantly they've opened up a lot of revenue for people who wanted to find uh work elsewhere during this great reset or the great rethink as we're going through right now um so uh, you know i think i think you might see uh kramer coming up with a great rethink index pretty soon <laughs> something like that and uh trying to trying to find stocks where people are going to move out of their their jobs into into small businesses and things i think that loan company is what was the loan company called again i can't remember what it was called upstart um, upstart yeah um i think that's another one for the great rethink so i, th I think you i think there's a trend there we might want to want to look into uh is trade desk uh kathy woodstock as well i feel like it is Mm, not sure. I'd be a shame if it I've wasn't. Seen it in her. I, it would, I would be shocked if she's missed it myself. But yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I was just, um, I was trying to find, I was trying to find some redeeming factors for Kathy Wood right now because <laughs> she's not having a great time. Anyway, I think we're going to leave the episode there. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and uh, I hope no one spooges in the back of your Tesla. <laughs>